Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Lessons of the Wild podcast, The Beginner's Guide to Hunting. I'm your host, Alex Hernandez. Thank you for listening. So today, I have a very special guest, Mr. Jacob Coons. This is our second interview because the first interview, I forgot to plug in the mic. So that's how it goes, but we had a second round of a great conversation. Uh, we focused a lot on his courses that he teaches at Udemy.com, which I'm a huge fan of. And uh, we talked a lot of things hunting and just emotions and everything we could think of for about 50 minutes. So um, full disclosure here, I don't have any financial interest in what Jacob's doing, but I just, I really think he's a good resource for the new hunter and just in general. Uh, so I wanted to help him get his name out there because I believe in him. So without further ado, please help me welcome Mr. Jacob Coons. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lessons of the Wild podcast. I'm here with Mr. Jacob Coons for round two. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you again. And uh, quite honestly, talking more about the outdoors and what we like and what we enjoy so much about it is, is an easy thing to talk about. So um, I appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate you uh, doing this again, man. We had a really great conversation that unfortunately got lost to technical issues um, on my, you know, fault. But I just chalk it up as new friends getting together, having a good dinner and getting to know your family. It was it was a wonderful time. Thank you for having me over that night. Yeah, no, no problem. It, it was great. And don't no worries about the technical issues. I think everybody on the line uh, and including myself, we've all experienced that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, no worries. Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. So Jacob is a hunter, a father, a husband, a medical salesman, and an instructor for Udemy.com, where he teaches courses such as Turkey Hunting 101, Whitetail 101, Squirrel Hunting 101, as well as 12 Months to Elk. And before we really get into this, I know I've told you this like a million times, but I'm going to say it again. I think your courses, man, are just awesome. And I've gone through your squirrel hunting one now, your turkey hunting one, and your 12 months of elk. And I think the amount of information you provide and the manner that you provide it in a concise, very direct and organized way, I think is just a wonderful, just a wonderful thing you're doing. I think it's going to, it is very valuable to the new hunter. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, man. Well, I appreciate that, the positive feedback for sure, Alex. And, you know, I, I, the, the intent really behind the courses is, uh, well, first of all, I mean, I, I love to learn. And that's really something that I'm addicted to and um, in a lot of capacities. And, and certainly learning more about how to be a better hunter is something that I really enjoy. I think most of us do enjoy uh, I have a background in teaching and education. I was in um, a training department, a corporate training department for a number of years. And uh, so I, not only do I love to learn, but I like to sort of share what I've learned in different capacities. And so I know when I was sort of getting back into the outdoors and getting back into to hunting, you know, about 10 years ago, I think, even though I grew up hunting, I still felt like there were barriers and maybe these were just sort of in my mind, but I felt like, 
you know, solo hunting was, uh, you know, for deer, I've been like, well, if I, what if I run into people? What if I'm not doing it right? What if, you know, I don't really, there's a lot that I didn't know. Uh, when I was a kid, yeah, you would just hunt. You just go out in the woods and you hunt. And you, you didn't pay attention to the wind. You weren't, you saw a deer trail, you hunted over a deer trail. You, so really the, the intent behind the courses are to A, really help break down barriers for people that are, are new to hunting or have been doing it for a few years. There's a lot of information out there from on YouTube and, and just Googling stuff, but this is a way to sort of package it all together and really help build a, a foundation for someone that uh, wants to learn about hunting turkeys or squirrel or coyotes or elk or, or whatever it is. So, but thank you for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's, it's well-deserved. So you talked about you grew up hunting and then you kind of fell out of it. Can you like go through your hunting career for us? Yeah. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a dad who loved the outdoors. We were constantly fishing for bluegill and crappie and bass, smallmouth bass uh, during the spring and summer times during the fall or sometime I think in September sometimes squirrel season would come around and we'd go dove hunting and then as I got older I got a chance to go deer hunting when I was younger I would be at school and I would know that my dad was hunting that particular day and I'll never forget one of those days when he came and pulled up in his silver Ford truck and he had a deer in the back of the truck and he's picking me up from school <laughs> Oh, and, and and nowadays you pro might not want to do that because maybe people get sort of offended or upset. I don't know, yeah. but have some, you know, parent on the, you know, the board yeah. freaking out. Right. Right. And I don't know how, why times were so different back then. Maybe just hunting was more prevalent, but um, in any event, I'll never forget those moments where, you know, he would have a buck or a doe or, something in the back of the truck and, and you'd, you know, I'd be, you know, wanting to hear the story and it was just this mysterious thing of, of he went into the woods and it was a great, this adventure. And so eventually I got to go deer hunting, I think when I was 12 or 13 or so. And, uh, I had my own, I remember it was a small bear compound bow and, um, and, and so that, those were, you know, a lot of my memories and, and I have old pictures of us squirrel hunting and I remember dove hunting and, you know, just spending that time with your dad or whoever it is in your life that, that takes you outdoors. Those are special times because they're not, especially in this day and age, they're not in front of uh, the TV they're, oh, yeah. Yeah, or on some phone. And, and I saw a quote somewhere that no kid remembers their greatest day of television. <laughs> so Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so I, you know, I grew up doing that. I'll never forget um, one particular time. It was me, my dad, and my brother. We were hunting near Madison, Indiana on some property that a, uh, someone had uh, a private piece of property. And my dad had shot a buck, and he, we all met down at the truck near the barn. And he said, he was like, Hey, you know, I found it. I shot a, shot a buck. Y'all want to help me trail it? Help, help me find it. And so we, we were, it was dark then we were working our way back 
and he's we we were sort of on the side of a ridge in a clear cut before you re-entered the woods mm-hmm. and we could hear another buck was basically goring my dad's deer that he had buck that he had shot what yeah oh my gosh yeah and and this was before we knew a lot about all that we know about the rut and deer behavior during that time and they're very you know aggressive and territorial and they can you know of course we sort of knew some of that stuff and this was back in the 90s but we don't we didn't know all that we know now and and we could hear this and I'll like I was behind my dad my dad was my brother was behind me I had the flashlight and my dad said okay on the count of three I want you to turn on and you know and he was ready to oh man we didn't know you know we just didn't know what it was but it was it was legitimately another buck it was goring the the buck that my dad had shot and um you know, such a crazy story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's adventure. Yeah. Like you're not going to get that on the couch any day. <laughs> yeah. You will never, you will never, I mean, I will always remember that it's emblazoned in, you know, my mind and, and there's a million other of those types of stories. And, and so I went to, you know, I played football in high school mm-hmm. and, you know, football practice and football season runs through December and that really kills your, you know, your, yeah, your, hunting season. your deer hunting season. And honestly, when you're in high school, you want to spend time with your friends, you want to hang out. Yeah. So you sort of walk away from the, some of that stuff. And then definitely when I was in college, I walked away from a lot of that stuff just because you're trying to, again, hang out with friends, understand different aspects of who you are in, in the college framework and then you're trying to get a job and then you're in the corporate world and you're trying to climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. And, and so that's really, you know, my story. And I think it's a, like a lot of people's stories, especially those that had some time hunting when they were younger. Yeah. What sparked you getting back into it then if you kind of fell away from it? I was, um, I became a big brother uh, through the Big Brothers Big Sisters program in Cincinnati, oh, that's awesome. and this was in this was pre kids. This was probably two thousand and four, two thousand five. And my little, who he and I, he's now twenty four. He and okay. I stay connected. We were we were uh, you know technically big and little brothers for ten years until he turned eighteen. Or no, I'm sorry, eight years until he turned 18. And, wow. and then we stayed connected. And he he had spent some time hunting and fishing with his family. His his uh, he has an uncle and a and, uh, cousin. And and it's we actually I, I think we went hunting a couple times, but I um I just started to realize that I I I missed that. I had spent some time playing flag football as a as a something to feel feel fill the void in terms of hobbies and then i started playing fantasy football which i've given that up because that's a complete waste of time (laughs) but (laughs) it's a lot of fun but let's face it folks you spend a lot of time staring at your phone or a computer screen or you're watching other people live out their lives and you're wasting your life and so staring at the screen yeah so i picked up an outdoor life and i picked up the field and streams again 
And I thought, man, this is, I love this stuff. This was real adventure. This was real. And, and so you, you also think about, you know, where does your food come from and how do you connect with it or do you connect with it? And there is a harvest involved with anything that you buy from the grocery store. So there's, there's all these different multi things that sort of came back and, and I wanted my kids to be focused, to enjoy the outdoors the way that, that I had when I was little. So those sort of things all collided and that's how it got me back into hunting and, and really engaging the outdoors in a different way. Yeah, man. I like, when I think of hunting, I, I kind of compare it to the breath of life for me. You know, I've been, I got into hunting in college, but I had no direction and now I'm in dental school and my life has been nothing but school for the past, like, I guess 20 some years. Right. And it's just a bunch of testing and paper and reading and just going through life, you know, wishing your days away. And when I started hunting, man, I just felt like I just was awake. Like I'm living in the moment, like just here and enjoying it. I just. I don't think I could get that from anything else. I played sports too. And like, I mean, I'm a big Cubs fan, but you know, I can only watch so much television before I'd go a little insane. I feel like hunting provides a hunter with the ability to just purely live in the moment and that you just, it's hard to find nowadays. Yeah. You know, I I think that they, um, you know, I love video games and, and who doesn't. And we, something that we're trying to capture when we play a game or you know whether it's fantasy football or a video game is is adventure uh is a sense of you know something that we were you know I'm a a very spiritual person uh and I think that you know God designed us for adventure and I think that sometimes we try to chase that adventure through things that are just sort of just like cheap candy, (laughs) you know, it's It's not the real thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not that I don't play video games still. I certainly do that. And, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody that, that does, I mean, or even, you know, there's heck there's even professional video, video gamers. But I think when um, I went uh, deer hunting with my dad a few years ago and there was, uh, it was like November 4th and it was the rut. The do- the bucks were moving through and we saw a lot of small bucks and my dad missed a shot at a big chocolate antlered buck that was doing a scrape. And then this, uh, we were trying to go back to the truck for lunch. And my dad, who has absolute eagle eyes, spotted a buck on the edge of this woods. We were out in a cornfield working our way back to the truck and, and he, I mean, he just doesn't miss these things. He has like a trained eye and, and, and <laughs> we learn skill too. Yeah. I mean, we're like, we're not, but maybe 60 yards away from this buck and we fall to the, the ground, the, the cut, the corn has been cut. So we're trying to get low. Yeah. And, and we, this buck is on lockdown with a doe and he's chasing her all through this little bowl that's in the terrain he's just trying to push her around and trying to get her to give up and um later on i ended up shooting that buck 
uh, right at last light. And I mean, it was just, you can't replicate that. And so again, whenever we spend a lot of time and a lot of hours out in the woods and 95% of the time, you know, we might see some deer, but we don't get a shot or we get a shot and we miss, or we get a shot and it's a bad shot. Uh, there's a lot of things that go wrong, but when it all goes right, it's just incredible. And, and it really, it, it's, it's um, something that you get addicted to. It sounds like you've gotten your taste of that. Oh, yeah. and, and now you're on the street, you're, you're on the street corner, you know, as much as you can trying to buy that, you know, because it's yeah. like, man, that is good stuff. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's such a weird investment too. Right. Cause you have this incredible high of a successful hunt, but like most of the time you're getting your teeth kicked in. <laughs> I think absolutely. And I think that's the other, not to, you know, with the courses, honestly, it's it they're for others, but they're also for me to sort of bank some of this information mm-hmm. about how to hunt bedded bucks or how to trail in, in snow or shed, some shed hunting tips or, uh, I'm getting ready to put out just a thing on trail camera strategy. And, uh, for me, I want to increase my speed to impact. And because I've spent a lot of time in the woods with nothing to show for it. And I have two young kids and a wife who, you know, they love that they support me doing this, but if I can fill my tag sooner rather than later, it it makes everybody, it's a win, win, win. Everybody's happy. And as opposed to me spending an entire four months in the woods saying, well, I didn't see anything again. So, uh, so I think that's the other thing is the more we learn, the better we get. And the sooner we can sort of close the deal on, you know, whatever it is that we're chasing. Yeah. And and I can imagine as a father, that's huge for you because then, as soon as you feel that you can invest more time in your, your family and getting them outdoors and doing the things you all love to do. And I know your kids are super busy with sports and all that, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine hunting as being not a burden, but you know, kind of a hardship, especially when you're struggling. What are some of the challenges as a father that you've come across while also trying to be a hunter? And if you want your children to be, you know, raised as a hunter. Well, I think I, I, that's a really good question, Alex. And, and I think there's a couple pieces to that. I mean, you want to, if we think about all about our fathers that we have or grew up with, if my dad loved hunting more than he loved me, I can assure you that I would grow up hating hunting. Yeah. Like I would not want to do that because that's what came in between me and my dad. Mm-hmm. And so for those that are listening that are prospective fathers or fathers, I think you really want to make a point to incorporate your sons and daughters into the adventure. And um, we went a couple of years ago. I, t- the t- I took my son turkey hunting when he was three and it was the- <laughs> it was not productive, but it- <laughs> but uh I wanted to do that. I wanted to be intentional about it. And I had a feeling we're not going to get anything, but we're going to give it our best shot. And, uh, and of course we didn't, but 
a couple of years ago, I took the kids turkey hunting. I probably had about a hundred pounds of of books, hot chocolate, iPad tablets, chairs, <laughs> hot hands. It's uh, like hunting. <laughs> yeah, I had a blind. I had everything. And I, you know, we got up at four in the morning and we went out to public land and we beat the crowd and we got to a spot. And I knew in the back of my mind, or at least I thought, we're just going to have fun. I just want the kids to have hot chocolate, to hear some gobbles. That's our goal is to hear them, the turkey gobble, because my gosh, if you hear the turkey gobble for the first time, it's pretty freaking amazing when they respond to your call. And uh, we ended up getting a turkey that day. And, oh, you, know, wow. you know, by the grace of God, um, one of the dumb tur- dumb ones came by. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we were in a blind, and, and it, obviously a blind covers up a lot of movement and sound from, from kids. But I think that, that at the end of the day, you know, my first – our first responsibilities are really to be husbands and fathers. And as much as – you know, as much as I think of hunting, as much as I love it, it, I could go overboard with it and it becomes something that's, that could be really ugly and something that's not uh, beneficial or constructive for, you know, for my kids or my family. So, um, so, you know, that's what I would say. Those are the, those are the challenges. And I, um, you know, I went on an elk hunt with my dad and my brother this past September and it was one of, it was the greatest adventure of our lives. We went out to southwestern Montana, but I you know I'm not the next time I go out west I'm not I'm going hunting for pronghorn and next August, and I'm taking my kids because I know I want to go elk hunting next year. I want to go to another mountain state. I want to punish myself <laughs> and climb yeah. mountains. but again my my first responsibility is really. How can I infect? How can I get my kids addicted? How can I infect them with this disease that yeah. we have? How can you create your permanent hunting partner? Essentially, exactly. It's it's very it's a it's a, it's self you know it's very selfish in a way. It's like how can I yeah. get them to take me hunting when I'm 80 years old? You know, <laughs> like you're doing for your dad, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, mean, I feel like everything we do is in a way selfish, but you know, you're also giving them a gift of something that you, I mean, has obviously had a huge impact on your life. So I think it outweighs the selfishness. Yeah. I think, I mean, in the, in the, I talk about this a lot and it's in some of the courses we, most everybody has seen the movie, the matrix and Mm -hmm. you can take the, the red pill or the blue pill. And the blue pill is basically the way life is. And you can buy your meat and your, uh, at the grocery store, or you can take the red pill and try, you know, the adventure of getting your own, um, free range protein, uh, whether it's squirrels or deer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I really want my kids to sort of see life through that lens, uh, that they understand the, the full circle of life and how we as outdoorsmen and outdoors women, we care about these animals. We care about conservation. We care about public lands. These things matter to us. And someone that's an anti-hunter, they may think they care about the animals or care about the deer and the elk and squirrels, but they have no idea 
how yeah. much we actually care and how much we want to invest in the health of those herds. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Ella talks about this concept that, you know, we have selectively invested our time into other things and like outsourced other aspects of our life. Like, like he, we're not making our own clothes. We're buying that. So we've outsourced that. And I think it's very easy to outsource your food and especially your meat because there's a lot of down and dirty to it. And there's like a lot of land management. There's a lot of, you know, you're taking a life and I think that's huge. And I think taking control of that aspect of our life, because we're not doing it for a lot of other things and it's completely justifiable to not take control of it. Right. Like it, but it has such a profound impact on the individual that I just, I can't imagine, like you said, it's like taking the red bill, red pill or blue pill. It's like, it's opened up a door to an inner, I don't want to say enlightenment, but almost an enlightenment <laughs> of the value of not only my life, but other creatures life and given me an amount of empathy that I don't think I've ever really had until I've taken life like that and been a part of it, even though I've consumed meat my entire life. And I'm sure many people have too. And I just think, oh, in conservation as well, you know, wanting to care for the future generations of our country and this world and our waters and these, these other species that have nothing to do with hunting. And I think hunters, I think taking control of that aspect of our lives is just, it just opens you up to the matrix, right? Like you realize what's going on so much more. Yeah. I mean, we, the great, I think there's a great unifier in this world of polit. I mean, everybody's either Republican or Democrat and everybody has sides on issues and opposing ideas about any particular topic. But I think when we talk about public land, I think all we can, most people at the table can agree that this is really important and this is a unique thing to the United States and we yeah. want to protect it. Now there are some, some loons in Utah who want to do the state transfer and, and have the States take over those, you know, some of those public lands and, and really, we never want that to happen because the state would ultimately sell it for, you know, commercial commercial purposes, and we'd never get a chance to to hunt or fish or hike or bike or do the things that those public lands were set aside for. So, yeah, it's um, you're right. I, I mean, it it really is. It does open your eyes to these other broader issues, and it's made me more conscious of. Um, the environment and what I do in terms of recycling. It's made me more conscious of just, uh, you know, so much more. And then you said, as you pointed out, it, I mean, it, it, when you, when you do harvest an animal or kill an animal, I mean, it is sad. There's a, there's a sadness there. And, and uh, uh, you said that it's sort of helped you be more empathetic. And I would agree with you. You, 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 you've harvested something, you've taken the life of something that was beautiful and you want to share and appreciate it in a way that's much different than when you buy something that's wrapped in saran wrap from the grocery store. Oh, for sure. And 
I can say I'm much more grateful for <laughs> the things I have and eat. And, you know, I just, I never had that growing up. And because I'm a late bloomer when it comes to hunting, like it just, it was like a red, blue and blue, a uh, red and blue pill, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for it sure. Really it really was. But we're kind of getting in a serious topic for a beginner hunter. So you take a, a solid amount of time to make, your courses can you kind of walk me through the process of how you go about deciding on a topic and then kind of doing research and whatever how you, what's your system on putting one of these out man because it seems pretty information dense and it's it's really good well the the elk 12 months to elk was really the first course and we my dad and i had wrapped up a hunt for pronghorn antelope in the western northwestern tip of nebraska in 2016 and he said hey we should try elk hunting and i here's what i equate pronghorn hunting is like a nice walk in the park Mm -hmm. and when i think of elk hunting i think of in the movie braveheart where the scots and the english collide in battle (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we've all of an analogy. <laughs> we all we've all seen. I mean, I, I like movies. You know, I said yeah. the Matrix. Now that we're talking about Braveheart, yeah. like it's I in my mind at that time, that's what I thought of elk hunting because I knew it's a physical. There's the physical demands are different. Uh, you're, you're backcountry camping, you're hiking up and down mountains, you are carrying weight on your back you could be in potentially in grizzly country <laughs> up in elevation. Yeah. Yeah. Up in elevation. And so you're going to be a bloodied, broken man at the end of that experience. And that's the way I, that was my analogy. And I, and honestly, afterwards I would say that analogy is pretty true. Uh, yeah. So, um, so we started in 2016 after we wrapped up that pronghorn trip, which was just so much fun. I mean, it was just the best. And we had so, it was really, we didn't, we got really, really close. Spotting and stalking pronghorn antelope with a bow and arrow is really, really one of the toughest things that you could do, but oh, it's, man. but it's so much fun because there's, there's, they're just everywhere and you park the car and you get out and you think, okay, how can I, can I stalk this guy or not? And, uh, and my dad got really, really close to hammer one. I got super close. If I wasn't so stupid, I would have, I would have got him, but, um, (laughs) but we, we had a great time. And so from that point, I started, we started to sort of plan the, the, the elk hunt, but there was so much that we didn't know. And I had bought my dad a a bugle tube for Christmas in 2016, which Mm -hmm. said, Hey, you know, it was my official acceptance of the challenge. Uh, we're going to go elk hunting. And we said, let's plan for 2018. And so really I started collecting a lot of information about, I didn't even know what time of month you could hunt elk. I didn't know what their rut was like. I didn't know their habitat, the, the, the seasons. I didn't know where they lived in the Western States. I didn't know any of that information. And, um, and what do you, you know, how, what kind of pack do you need? What kind of tent do you need? How do you, you know, how many calories a day do you need? 
Um, how do you pack ice for that sort of a trip? Because you're going to be in the back country. What about grizzly bears? Where, when you camp on a mountain, where should you camp near them? Or is it, you know, there's just so many like little questions that I didn't have answered. And so I really spent just hours and hours and hours of researching and putting a plan together And the way that I've tried to build that course was from a macro perspective of how do you identify a state that's where you can predictably get drawn and not hope that you get drawn. Yeah. So New Mexico, Arizona, those are both outstanding elk states, but it's a hard, it's hard to get drawn in Arizona, relatively hard. I mean, can't, it's not saying that you can't do it, but it, it's a little bit harder. New Mexico is a complete random draw. So you have no idea. There's no points or bonus system in New Mexico. So it was really trying to whittle through the information and start with a state and then go from the state to a unit, from a unit to a smaller area mm-hmm. within that unit and looking at terrain features on Google Earth, on the different mapping websites that are out there like CalTopo or, of course, Onyx or um, there's a, I think there's a Hilltop, let's see, yeah. Hillmap, Hillmap.com is a good one. And you're really trying to get that granular so that when you get seven days of vacation or 10 days or whatever, you're not wasting your time driving around looking for a place to hunt. You've already got everything mapped out. So really trying to go from macro to micro. Yeah. And it, I took the course and I'm planning my elk hunt now with my good buddy. Hopefully next year might get pushed back to the following year, just depending on time and our lives. But I'm, I have to say I'm kind of a macro guy just in general. I'm, I'm not a, I don't even think about the little details that you kind of just went over a little bit and just barely touched on because going through the course, I was just astounded. I was like, Oh man, there's so much I haven't even thought about as far as just the logistics of the whole thing. Like, I mean, ice, I was like, yeah, I'll have a cooler, probably like a Yeti. I'll get a big Yeti. And well, they say they can hold ice for like 10 days. So (laughs) like just dumb thoughts like that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, obviously I need to, think better especially i'm going to take this huge investment in my time and money and just be out there you know and i i think that course specifically really just really does the macro to micro thing you're saying really well and really gives you a good foundation for that elk hunt like obviously there's so much you could talk about the variables are endless but i think you have a really good way of breaking it down state by state saying hey this is really where the numbers are in your favor. This is where I would lean, especially if you're coming out, you know, from the other side of the Mississippi river. Like, but if you can rack up points, you know, this is where you can go, or this is where you kind of have better odds. And, and then going over like e-scouting, like I never even thought to use e-scouting. I was like, well, maybe I'll just get a couple maps and, you know, kind of figure it out. See, but I have to get a recent map. I just, I had no idea. And that's, when I heard you on uh, the Novice Hunter podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to take this course. Like, I had no idea where to begin. I just, I feel like, one, I need to take your course like uh, five more times because there's just so much information. Um, but two, I was just like, man, 
I needed that. I needed to understand the enormity of the task that I'm putting forth on myself. Like I understood the hunt, like the hunt I get, like it's going to be tough. I'm preparing physically, I'm preparing mentally, but just the enormity of the task of getting to the area and having plan A, plan B, plan C, hell, even D and E, you know, and you kind of, you were telling me when I was over there, how your first couple spots didn't really work out, right? Yeah, you know, um, I had, there's a, a, a site called uh, gohunt.com that a lot of folks, it's very popular if you listen to podcasts, any hunting podcast, there's, especially Western hunting podcast, people are going to talk about Go Hunt, and it is a great resource. There's some other ones, uh, Top Rut is another one that shows draw odds for different areas. And there's also strategy articles, and they go within within Go Hunt. They go, they talk about each particular unit. So it's a really good resource. It does. There's a membership fee, mm-hmm. but as I looked at that, it wasn't enough for me. And so I tried to put. Um, I, I tried to pull. There's a lot of data that's on whatever state you choose. There's a lot of data on their website on harvest statistics and numbers of hunters in a particular unit. And when you go into harvest statistics, it even shows like bow kills or bull elk kills. And so I started to create a spreadsheet that helped me see trends um, across 15 to 20 different units. Oh man. And so, and then I would color code it and, and it's just, again, you're looking for anything, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, I know, uh, Alex, you talked about going to Idaho, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in your, on your first elk hunt, with, unless you get caught, drawn for Kentucky, of course. But, um, you know, Idaho is a great big state, and yeah. you could go somewhere that maybe has um, a lot of hunters or a few hunters or the, public, the percentage of public land per hunter, the ratio could be really, really bad. And so I wanted to really look at ratios. And so when we got to our unit, we got out of the truck or the SUV, mm-hmm. and then we all got all gussied up and started getting our camo on and our packs on. And it was like, we were a bunch of women going out for the night. You know, <laughs> we were, let me get my eyeshadow, get my lipstick, you know, like the whole nine yards. And then we start, um, we start hiking in and and I realized that where we could, as far as we could drive, it was still a mile and a half away from the trailhead that I thought that we could get to with my car. And so we started hiking and it was really started looking at the country and it looked like um, it wasn't the type of terrain that we felt it was conducive for elk because it was just so steep. And... Uh, we started, we backed out. We, we said, you know what, this is not what, this isn't what we, uh, on the, on the map online, it looked fine. But when we got boots on the ground, it, it wasn't great. So we, we stayed within the unit. There was a particular area that we wanted to hunt. So we drove south and looped into this area in a different way. The mountains got much less steep. The terrain was more elk-like. And, um, and honestly, that's where 
my, you know, my dad was like, Hey, go over this way and go over this way. And then it was really hitting the area that we wanted to hunt, but just from a different side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we started, we, we had targeted a particular burn that we wanted to hunt, which is for those on the East Eastern States, we always hear about these wildfires and what the wildfires do, even though they're not good, uh, especially when they're, you know, when man created them, but, um, what they do is the subsequent years is provide, they, they reduce the, the, uh, the shade or the, uh, uh, cover, I guess. Yeah. The cover, the tree cover, and it opens up new growth on the ground and it really can, it creates a higher nutritional density for that area. So it actually attracts more wildlife because of all that new growth. And so we really targeted an area that we liked and it worked out really well. But when you get boots on the ground, you got to have other plans or other options because your time is precious. Like you said, you're in school all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm working. I'm sure the folks that are listening, you know, on the podcast, we're all living very busy lives. So how do you maximize that time to make sure that you actually encounter elk and get a shot or really enjoy your adventure to the fullest? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you do a really good job of giving everyone the information they need to do that. But I think that course is really a, I would say you kind of have to have some experience with hunting because it's not like a beginner course. Like if you're going elk hunting and you're from out east or you have to travel and you're thinking about all these things, you're probably kind of a, a moderate hunter, right? You're kind of a little bit into it. But your other courses, your 101 courses, they're, I would say you go, it's less detailed because obviously it's, it's a beginner course, but I think it's still a really well-organized course. What was kind of your goals for these, these 101 courses and your you know, coyote, squirrel hunting and all that? Yeah, I, you're right. They're, they're much, they're basic. They're very, um, here's the gear that you need. Here's some ways to to view the terrain or understand the terrain or how deer are going to use saddles, pinch points, funnels. Um, this, these are things that turkeys are, you know, turkeys don't want, don't like to get wet. So, uh, you know, after a rain, they might be out in the field trying to dry off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when the sun comes up, you want to position yourself where the sun is at your back. So you're not staring into the sun when you're turkey hunting. I mean, there's just little tips and things to think about. There's introductions to the the weapons that you use and it's really tips and tricks. Although what I'm continually doing is adding different layers and different things to each of those courses so that, okay, I understand the basics. How do I, you know, how do I hunt buck bedding or how do, what, what is the bump and dump strategy? Mm-hmm. Um, the, like I said, what are some trail camera strategies, which will be uh, posted really soon. These are just certain things that take a little bit deeper dive into certain subtopics but yeah, you're absolutely right. These are really intended to break down barriers for somebody that's maybe relatively new to hunting or never hunted before. And it, it's not, it doesn't have the same intensity as the, the elk hunting course because it, it doesn't really need that yeah. um, per se because it's, 
most people that are deer hunting or turkey hunting, they're they're doing so over the course of several months as opposed to a five or ten day period. Yeah, a really dense weekend of <laughs> high intensity. Um, so do you have any advice for a person interested in hunting for the first time? I, I would just say uh, really get out there and make mistakes. And I, I recently was listening to a podcast and – the the guest was asked sort of a similar question and the guest said well hire a guide and you'll learn everything firsthand what to do what not to do and i thought you know i i don't really like that response because i think it creates another barrier for maybe somebody that's new and what i would say is just even if you don't have camouflage just wear a brown shirt or a gray shirt or uh, you don't have to buy, you don't have to hunt in camouflage um, and, and just, you know, go out, get, get outside, make sure you read your re- state regulations so you're not breaking any laws and understand those things. But if you don't get the, see the answers to some of your questions, uh, certainly reach out to the state DNR. They're happy to answer okay. questions. Uh, you can reach out to Alex. You can find me on instagram or you can find me on the go wild app and ask me questions or ask lots of questions via go wild and um and just make mistakes get out there Uh, you we all continually make mistakes i mean i you know i made a thousand mistakes this deer season and i've (laughs) been hunting deer forever yeah me too (laughs) yeah so uh i would just encourage everybody to get outside and if you, um, you know, if you're interested in these courses, I'd love for you to, to try them out. There's free previews in all of the courses, so you can get a feel or a sense of what the course is about. Uh, but even if you don't take the courses, listeners can reach out to myself and ask me any question. I'll be happy to answer it. Um, my Instagram handle is Jacob M. Coons. And then, uh, like I said, I'm on the Go Wild app as well. Yeah, and another thing to note about your courses too: if you purchase them, it's it's lifetime access, and you are continuously updating them, which I discovered a couple of weeks ago when I found a little extra coyote hunt in my Turkey 101 course. I was pretty excited about. Yeah, I, I added I added that in recently. Coyote Coyote Hunting 101. It's a very short 20 minute course. I I think coyote hunting is a lot like fishing for bluegill you've you're you set up on a field for 30 minutes you uh you make some pre you know you make some uh distress calls and if if you're set up right you can potentially close the deal on a coyote and if nothing comes in you move to the next spot for 30 minutes so i added those into the deer and the turkey one-on-one courses because it didn't make sense to make it a separate course and i think really predator hunting is a really important part of conservation and, and wildlife management anyway. So if you want more turkeys, you want more deer, then we need to help manage some of these coyote populations. But, um, but yeah. And, you know, one of the things for your listeners, uh, Alex is if they use the promo code and it's all caps lesson L E S S O N uh, they will get any of those courses for nine ninety nine. So, um, well, thank you very much for doing that. I think that's like 
fifty percent or more off on some of your courses, man. That's that's very generous of you. It is actually with the L course, it's um, more than fifty percent. For the other ones, it's fifty percent off. And um, I tried to, I wanted to make them even less than that. But uh, Udemy, the platform that I use, it's Udemy.com, U-D-E-M-Y.com. Uh, they won't let me make it any less expensive than that. So, uh, so, uh, but yeah, again, I, hopefully people get a chance to check it out. And like I said, it, it's like, like you said, it's lifetime access. You, I continually add content and evolve content and, uh, really appreciate any, any support from the listeners. Well, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure people who are going to buy it really appreciate that. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And thank you for doing this again. I had a, a blast the first time around. But uh, this was pretty solid, too. I'm liking the phone. This is my first phone podcast, so I'm a fan. It worked Look, out really best. <laughs> you, you, you're doing it, – you sound crystal clear. Hopefully the listeners feel the same way. But, uh, Alex, I really appreciate you having me, and I appreciate what you're doing. You're helping break down barriers for new folks that are interested in, in the outdoors, interested in hunting. And so the more hunters that we can get into the woods – the more people that we can have speak out about public lands or, or help the more people understand the importance of uh, grizzly hunting or cougar hunting Mm -hmm. out in California. We're always seeing about people getting attacked by, you know, some of these, some of these animals. And um, some of it has to do with the fact that they're, not managed yeah they're, yeah they're mismanaged or not allowing them to manage them because people don't understand that a grizzly bear is not the same as yogi the bear <laughs> or a teddy bear <laughs> right right <laughs> but hey alex i appreciate you having me man and thanks for all you do well thank you i really appreciate those compliments and i'm looking forward to having you on again and soon i have you can have me on anytime i appreciate it <laughs> no problem all right jake have a good one man you too. Well, that's all we have for you folks. Thank you for tuning in. If you are interested in anything Jacob's doing, go ahead and follow him on Instagram, Jacob M. Coons and the Go Wild app. You can find his courses at udemy.com. That's U-D-E-M-Y dot com. And if you search Jacob Coons, all of his courses will come up. And thank you again to Jacob for giving us an awesome coupon code of almost 50% off on some courses and over 50% off on other courses so that code is lesson that's all capital letters l-e-s-s-o-n if you're a new hunter i think this is a great great resource to kind of build the foundation for you guys and really get your foot in the, in the right you know step right right step forward best foot forward that's that's the saying i'm looking for um other than that if you're interested in elk hunt too he's got a great great uh course on that that i've taken i highly recommend and again I have no vested interest in his success. I just, I really think he's a good resource and super knowledgeable guy and just an all around good dude too. So please support him and continue to support me. I appreciate you uh, listening. So, all right, have a good rest of your day.